Okay, good afternoon everyone and welcome along to the NCBI Labs live event. Um, just before I hand you over to Jude Maher, who's going to MC this event for us today, I'd like to let everyone know that the previous live events are now available for you on YouTube. Um, to see or listen in to those events, just go to the NCBI YouTube page and you can listen in to the live events um, uh, from, from the two previous weeks. This is the third NCBI Labs live event. And now I'm going to hand you over to Jude Maher. Thanks very much, Karen. Uh, so just to mention as usual as well, we'll have some slides up on the screen here, but uh, don't worry if you can't see them, you won't be missing anything. They'll all be read out anyway. It's uh, just a form of notes for us. Uh, but we'll read everything out anyway, so you won't miss anything. So what have we got lined up for you today? Well, first up, we're going to be hearing again from Karen O'Mahony, our Chief Technology Officer here at NCBI, who's going to give us a bit of information about the setup of the NCBI Labs team, some of the changes that have been taking place here as well. After that, we're going to take a few minutes to help you to get the most out of your iOS devices, your iPhones and your iPads with this week's quick tips, which JP has prepared for us, the top tips that, that uh, you can use on your Apple device. After that, we might have to bring in the virtual security team here for the big debate, Android versus iOS. The big question that a lot of people ask, which one is better? But when it comes to accessibility, which one will come out the winner? Will it be a, a dead heat? Well, that might get a bit lively, particularly with the panel we have today. So let me introduce the panel for today who will be joining in on that discussion a little bit later on. We have Byron back for this. And we're going to be some Representing Corp primarily, but he'll be having a few words to say about the Apple versus Android discussion as well, I'm sure. So they're all joining me, Jude Marr, for what promises to be an interesting show this week. Just a reminder, if you have any comments or questions, please do send them in and we'll put them to the panel at the end of the show. So if you want to ask a question or, or make a, a comment, you can email labs at ncbi.ie or you can use the question panel to the right of your screen. Now that, that may uh, be a little bit of a problem today, so don't don't worry if you can't see that today. You can still reach us on labs at ncbi.ie and we'll be monitoring that email address throughout the, the program as well. And uh, as well, if you need a list of shortcuts for any for using uh, Microsoft Teams with a screen re reader, email us at that same address, labs at ncbi.ie and we'll get them out to you as soon as possible. So let's get the show on the road. First up, we're, we're going to find out a bit more about what's been happening with NCBI Labs, and we're going to hand back to Kyron O'Mahony, our Chief Technology Officer. Uh, thanks, Jude, and apologies for leaving some of the, the, the music still playing for, for your introduction there. Um, so what I wanted to do today is uh, kick off our, our live event. We've gotten a number of questions through uh, via feedback, and really people were wondering, like, 
NCBI, what is the difference between NCBI and NCBI Labs? And why have we decided to, to call our the technology function NCBI Labs? So um, if you could just move on to the next one, please, Sean. So what's really important in NCBI is the recognition of the importance that technology plays to people, people with sight loss. And part of that is I wanted to improve, um, you know, the branding of our technology function within NCBI. So as I mentioned in the previous um, live events, at the moment, our, our services from technology point of view, we have five distinct areas of service. We have the technology support line, which I encourage all service users and their family and friends that support people with sight loss to utilize if you have any technological assistance or you need any, any help. There's also technology sales for mainstream and assistive technology where we will uh, we will uh, uh, send you out a piece of assistive technology and we also effectively uh, support uh, that technology that you buy from us as well. We have our technology training, um, which is um, Jude and the rest of the team will offer that technology training support. And um, this is one of, of, we hope, many technology live events, which are uh, a showcase of particular types of technology or discussions on particular types of technology. Also, as I mentioned last week, we're gradually rolling out the virtual technology support groups around the country which are an opportunity for all of our service users to um, to take part in and converse together. And if we'd like to take part in one of our technology support groups, please do email us at labs at ncbi.ie and we'll add you to um, your local list and we'll be in contact with you when you um, when you need to, when we're running them, excuse me. So so NCBI Labs really formed from this comment that I that I um, that I firmly believe in as someone with only about 20% of normal vision. So technology is the single greatest aid to someone with sight loss, and technology removes the barriers to education, employment, and allows people with sight loss to fully engage with life and be independent. And I, as an ex-service user, a current service user, I should say of. Um, of NCBI, I really truly believe that. And one of the things when I joined NCBI as the Chief Technology Officer, I wanted to be in a position to influence broader change through technology and make sure that the NCBI as an organization was fit for purpose to deliver the best technology service that we could to our service users. Um, so um, my experience is not primarily in um, in the sight loss industry or in the assistive industry. I spent most of my career working in the private sector and utilized technology to uh, move up through the ranks in various various roles from AIB to Dunn Stores to Ryanair to, you know, to Granahan McCourt. And to me, technology was one of the biggest enablers for me. So when I joined NCBI, I wanted to bring that experience to NCBI and be an advocate and just, uh, <laughs> sorry, the, the slides are changing. Sean, if you go back to the, pre the, the next one, please, uh, and be an advocate for um, technology in NCBI and bring a lot of the experience that I have and really support our team of technology trainers in delivering that experience and that excitement and that importance of technology, technology for people with sight loss. That's the vision that I want to bring to NCBI. So step one, step one was really about how we structure the technology function in NCBI. So for me, you know, I wanted it to move away from being a very back office driven function. It needed to be something that was 
you know, um, uh, that was empowering in technology. So that's where NCBI Labs came from. And step one for me then is to bring the NCBI organization on a digital transformation. Make sure the organization is fit for purpose. And then if we're us as a service organization are fit for purpose, we can then deliver the best in class services to our service users who are the most important people after all. Um, so we've just completed our internal um, di NCBI digital transformation. We changed all of the hardware. We changed um, how we access technology. We started using tools like we're using today, like Teams, to be in a more of an effective organization, but also bring a better experience to our service users. And we've been in a lucky position with the COVID-19 crisis where we didn't stop any of our services. We merely sidestepped our service provision and continue to deliver that through the use of technology. Um, so it's it's really about enhancement of all of our existing services with NCBI and supporting them through technology and giving that experience to our services. So there's lots more to come, but I wanted to give people a sense of where I'm coming from as a technology leader within NCBI. Okay, so that's that's a kind of an overview for me. I'm going to hand back to Jude now, who's going to give you some information on our first topic we have today, our second topic we have today in the NCBI Labs live event. That's brilliant. Thanks very much, Kyron. It's really good actually just to hear what's been happening with NCBI Labs and some of the changes, some of the reasons why it was set up that way as well. So thanks for taking us through that information. Kyron, apologies again if if there was any um, problems with sound quality earlier, just in case you you weren't able to hear earlier. If you do want to get in touch with a comment or a question about any of the topics we're talking about today, just get in touch by means of labs at ncbi.ie. So just email us at labs at ncbi.ie and uh, we'll, we'll monitor that throughout the programme. Now, NCBI continues to support people living with sight loss during the current COVID-19 situation, as Kyron mentioned, and that's in a number of different ways as well as in technology training. So if you want to get some advice or support, you can contact our national helpline on 1850 33 43 53. That's 1850 33 43 53, or you can send an email to info at ncbi.ie. That's info at ncbi.ie. Now, hopefully you've been enjoying some of the overviews of different technology over the last few weeks, but maybe you already have a, a smartphone or a tablet and you just want to get the most out of that device. Well, we had a great response to last week's top tips for using TalkBack on an Android device. So this week we have JP back with us to give us some top tips when using an Apple iPhone or iPad. So this presentation will be suitable if you have uh, no vision or low vision, and uh, we'll we'll hand over to JP to take us through his top tips. Hello everyone, and welcome to this NCBI Labs video demonstration on quick tips using VoiceOver. So for anyone who may not already be familiar with it, VoiceOver is a screen reader built into Apple products, including iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, Shuffle, and Apple Watch. It is also available for Mac computers, but today we're going to be focusing on using VoiceOver specifically on the iPad and iPhone. I'm doing this demo on an iPad Air running iPad OS 13, which is the operating system's latest version for the iPad at time of recording. And before I get started, I'd like to say a quick thanks to my colleague Joe Lonergan, an advanced voiceover user, for all his help putting these tips together. So there's a total of 10 tips I'd like to share with you here, and I hope that whether you're completely new to voiceover or an advanced user yourself, that some of these tips will be of interest to you. So let's get started. The first tip 
we look at ways we can quickly turn on and off voiceover. So three ways we could do this. The first option is to go into settings and go down to accessibility. And then go over to zoom voiceover. OK, so once we selected this, we can single tap one finger. Voiceover on settings landscape. Voiceover right. is enabled. A double tap. Voiceover on. Voiceover off. We'll disable voiceover. Okay. Second option is to get Siri to do it. So we can summon Siri. Say, hey Siri, turn on voiceover. I'm listening. Turn on voiceover. Okay. I've turned on home button to the right. Okay. Music. Now Test voiceover is now on. That's from Siri. Okay. That's good. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. Turn I'm off. Here. Turn off voiceover. Voiceover okay. off. I've okay. turned off voiceover. Okay. Voiceover is now off. Okay. So the third way we can do it is using the accessibility shortcut. Okay. So if we go back into our settings app. Okay. Back into accessibility. Very, very bottom of this screen, we have the accessibility shortcut. Currently, it's voiceover that we've selected as, as but we can, uh, but we, we can also choose other ones like Zoom, for example. Okay, so we know now that our accessibility shortcut is set to voiceover. So what we can do in this instance here, we can triple tap the home button to enable it. One, two, three. Voiceover on camera. Double tap to open landscape. Okay. Home button to the right. Just a point of note. If your device doesn't have a home button, so for example, if you're using an iPhone X or later model uh, iPhone, or if you're using an iPad Pro, the best thing to do is you need to do is what you need to do is triple uh, press the power button instead of the home button. Okay, so that, that has the same exact same principle. It'll turn on and turn off VoiceOver. Triple pressing the power button. Okay. Now VoiceOver is enabled. And I want to just go through some basic navigation with you here. So with it enabled, we can use gestures, so swiping left and right on the screen with one finger to move between different items. Or we can move your finger around the screen to explore items before opening them with a one finger double tap. So let me just swipe right first of all. RTE player. RTE news now. Amazon Alexa. Okay, and double swiping left. RTE news now. RTE player. Camera. Okay. Double tap to open. Now, explore by touch. TV. Netflix. Prime video. Test music. Disney Plus, App Store. Okay. Double tap to open. We also have that feedback saying double tap to open. Okay, so what we could do now is double tap on this app here to open it. Okay, so we open up app the App Store. Store. Today, Tuesday, the 21st of April. We can app go Store. back home by pressing the home Double button. tap to open. Okay, that's some basic navigation. Tip number two is using a three finger swipe gesture to move between pages. So a three finger swipe to the left and right on the home screen allows to move between pages to view apps installed on the device. So for example, if I were to swipe left here with three page fingers, two or three, shortcuts. it brings me to page Double two. Tap to open. Page three or three. Again, Zoom. to page three. Double tap to open. Okay, in contrast to this, I can swipe right with three fingers. Page two or three, shortcuts. Again, Double tap home, page one or three. Back camera. to page one. Double tap to open. Okay, now this three finger swipe gesture can also be used within apps. So for example, if I open up the RTE, RTE player. player app. Double tap to. Okay, now RTE what I can player. do. User icon white button. Is I can swipe 
up with three fingers to move me down this screen. Page two of eight. Page three of eight. Page four of eight. Page five of eight. Page six of eight. Page seven of eight. Page eight of eight. Okay, now we just reach the end of the page. If you want to go back up, page slide seven down eight. with three fingers. Page six of eight. Page five. Page four. Page three. Page page one of eight. Okay. That's the idea. So this three finger swipe gesture, really, really good way to, for example, view different uh, TV listings or, or programs such as those featured in the RTE player app. Let's go back to the home screen. RTE player, double tap to open. Okay, tip number three is using voiceover to read from the top of the screen and read from the section that you're on. So with voiceover enabled, you can flick up with two fingers anywhere on the screen at all to read elements from the top of the screen or you can click down with two fingers anywhere on the screen to read elements from the section that you're on. So I'd like to show you how this could be useful by opening up the RTE News app. RTE News now. Okay, so once this app is open, what I'm going to do is find an article to read. So for example, if I explore by touch. COVID-19 supports could cost state four euros, five BN over three months. Double tap to activate. COVID-19 supports could cost. Okay, just a useful gesture as well. Uh, two finger tap on the screen will stop voiceover speaking at any point. Now, at this point, if we flick down with two fingers anywhere on the screen at all, we'll be able to read this article from start to finish. So it's basically a say all command with voiceover. COVID-19 supports could cost state four euros, five BN over three months. By Will Goodbody Business Editor. News Bullet 18H. More than a million people are now either fully or partially dependent on the state for income support. It is estimated that the total cost of state income and watch supports in place to help those out of work or in danger of losing their jobs during the COVID-19 crisis could reach up to four euros and 50 cents billion over three months. Okay, now I'll stop that there, but you get the idea. So two finger swipe down will, will, will read text from beneath where the focus is on the screen with voiceover. Okay. Tip number four is using app switcher to move between apps. Let's go back to the home screen. RTE news now. And to open, to, open. to open up the app switcher, which is a really, really handy way to move between open apps on your iPad or on your iPhone. On an iPad or iPhone without the home button, we drag one finger up from the bottom edge of the screen until you feel a second vibration or hear three tones and then you lift your finger. On an iPad or iPhone with the home button, we double click or double press the home button like this. App switcher. RTE News Now, active. Okay. Swipe up with three fingers to close the app. So Actions available. At this point, we have a few different options. We can browse the open apps by swiping RTE left or right. RTE Player, active. App Store, We active. can use Explore by Touch. Tesco I TV, app. Safari, Notes. Find out more about. Active, active. Reminders, active. Chrome, okay. active. Swipe up and what we can do is Actions swipe available. up with three fingers to close apps. Closing Chrome, music, active. Okay. Notes, That's find out option. more about Tesco Ireland, active. And the last option that we have is to open an app from App Switcher. So for example, if I were TV, to active. go onto the swipe Apple TV three app. fingers to close the app. Actions available. Double tap. TV. We're Watch straight into now. that app. Heading. Okay. So this brings us nicely to tip number five, which is using the scrub gesture to go back to the previous page. So when voiceover is running on iOS, you can perform what's known as a scrub gesture to activate a back button. Okay, if one is present, that is. So to enable this feature, 
you swipe up with two fingers and then draw like as if you're drawing a Z shape anywhere on the screen. OK, if you do it right, the back button is activated no matter where you perform the gesture. So I'm going to sh show you this here by going a bit deeper into this app. So I'm going to go into movies. Movies button. Selected. Watch now. I'm back going to go button. into a movie. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker now available to rent. Star Wars movies. Back OK. Button. Now let's say, for example, here I want to go back uh, a couple of levels. I want to maybe choose a different movie, go somewhere else in the app. I can use this club gesture. Probably back a level. And now I'm back Watch to where I started. Ready. OK, so a very useful feature to go back previous pages within an app. OK, let's go to tip number six, which is toggling the screen curtain on and off and toggling speech on and off. Camera, double tap to open. OK, so what's a screen curtain? So the screen curtain blacks out the screen, giving voiceover users some privacy so that sighted users can't look at the screen. So while the screen appears to be off, the device is actually still fully functional. So to activate the screen curtain, we have a triple tap on the screen with three fingers like this. One, two, three. Screen curtain on. So now the screen curtain's on, the screen has gone black. OK, OK, to turn it off. Screen curtain off. Three finger triple tap. OK. Uh, just point a note, one, two, three, with screen the screen curtain, curtain on. on, if we move around the screen, with one finger, everything is as normal open. with voiceover. Screen curtain off. Okay. Okay, just another point is that if the zoom function is activated in settings, then it's a quadruple trap, quadruple tap, a bigger part that's required to get the same result. Also worth highlighting here that keeping the screen curtain enabled can actually increase the longevity of the battery, which is obviously a great thing. OK, so let's look at speech. OK, so we can also toggle speech on and off when voiceover is running. So this, we double tap the screen with three fingers like this. Speech off. So the speech is off now. So if Zoom is enabled, you have to triple tap the screen with two fingers to get the same result. So turning voiceover speech off is typically used by professional braille display users as voiceover has to be on in order for the braille display to work. So by enabling this feature, a braille reader can read the braille on the display without having voiceover announced everything on it. So I'm going to turn speech back on now. Speech on. Let's go on to tip number seven, which is using the two finger double tap. It's also known as a magic tap. So when voiceover is on, we can double tap the screen with two fingers to perform different actions. On iPhones, for instance, this will answer an incoming call or end one already in progress. On other devices, or if no phone call is in progress, it will play or pause the active media playback app. So this could be, for example, your music app. It could be a book reading app or even a self-voicing GPS app like Square. So to do this, I'm going to demonstrate it by tapping the screen twice, uh, two fingers. Okay, there's a bit of band the man. Um, double tap again with two fingers will we'll turn off uh, the music in this instance. Worth noting here that the two finger double tap can also be used to enable and disable the dictate feature on the on screen keyboard. So this can make it uh, easy, for example, to uh, compose messages, text messages, emails and other notes much, much, much easier than having to key in every letter in the on-screen keyboard. So I'm going to show you this here by opening up the Reminders app. Reminders. OK, I'm going to set reminders. a new reminder. Today, heading, new reminder, 
button. And then double tap here. 51% space. Okay. Now I'm going to set myself a reminder, but to do this, I'm going to double tap the screen with two fingers. Okay. Add oranges to shopping list. Inserted add oranges to shopping list. Okay. So that reminder is now in, in my reminders and I dictated that and it's on the on the keyboard. So on the on the screen. So I don't have to didn't have to type it in on the on the on-screen keyboard. So I saved myself a lot of time. Reminders. Okay. Now let's go to tip number eight, which is setting a custom label. So that is labeling unlabeled buttons. So maybe time spent, for example, you need to assign a custom label for items such as images and buttons that are unlabeled. And to do this, the gesture is that we focus on the unlabeled item and then double tap and hold it with two fingers anywhere on the screen. And from here, we can rename the label. So this is particularly useful when, for example, a developer has forgotten to label certain screen elements in an app. I'd like to demonstrate this by opening up the Tesco Ireland app. Swiping Tesco right. Ireland. Okay. Double tap to open. Double tap to open. Tesco Ireland. Icon okay. hamburger menu. So Button. for example, someone doing their online shopping can browse to different categories food. of food. Bakery, food covered, frozen food. And in fairness, that's pretty accessible. But if they went over the top right of the screen, this button is unlabeled. Okay, so very confusing for someone who's using a screen reader to navigate this app. We have an unlabeled button. Now it happens to be a create uh, a profile button. Okay, so if I double tap on this button, text field, text field is editing email address. It gives me the option here to sign in. Point at start. Close. Button. So in this instance, what I want to do, menu. what I want to do is to add a custom label to this currently unlabeled birth button. So the first thing we need to do is highlight it. RR35790 button. Okay, and then we're what we're going to do is we're going to double tap and hold with two fingers anywhere on the screen. Okay, so at the moment. Text field. This brings editing. up an edit box. Insertion point at end. Where we can type the name of the item. Okay, and then click right to save. The first one to do though is delete the text that's there. Clear text. But clear text. And then we're going to add our label. M. M. Y. Y. Space. Space. P. P. R. R. O. O. F. F. I. I L L E E. Okay, so there's our uh, label that we're uh, what we're calling what we're calling it. We're going to go to save. Save button. Now we'll save it. So now menu. if we go button. back Custom over menu to the button. Button my profile. Button. Previously unlabeled, it's now called my profile. So uh, much more straightforward. Now next time we're in that app, we know exactly uh, how to go to get to my my profile. Let's go on to tip number nine. Tesco Ireland. Which is changing to open. changing the verbosity setting. Okay, so first off, when you when, when you do buy an iPad, iPhone, turn on voiceover, you'll quickly realize that there's hints there. So for example, double tap to open. We've heard this quite a lot. Double tap to open. 
um, during this demonstration. Reminders. Double Tesco Ireland. Double tap to open. OK, so every time you navigate to an app, it's giving you some feedback or some suggestions saying double tap to open. OK, this will also pop up on a refreshable braille display. OK, so maybe a refreshable braille display user might want to have this information on the display. So the good news is that you can actually remove these alerts in the settings app. OK, so here's what we do. We go into settings. 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 OK, we go into General. accessibility. 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 Heading. We go down to voiceover. Voiceover. On. Button. Voice. Accessibility. OK. So down here to verbosity. Voiceover. From here we, we go to on. speak hints. It's on. Double tap to toggle setting off. It's off. Settings. So back to the home screen. Now, if we, for example, go into any app at all. Netflix. We don't hear that double tap to open because we know already we can just double tap on that icon to open it. OK, so now we've changed the verbosity setting and we don't hear the speak hints any longer. Let's go on to tip number 10, which I really like. It's copying and pasting text. So it's possible to copy and paste text using the three finger quadruple tap, tap on to copy text and then using the rotor to edit and paste that text. OK, I mentioned the rotor there. So for anyone unfamiliar with the rotor, this is like a virtual controller that lets you quickly adjust settings such as volume, speech rate, reading of punctuation, how you navigate websites and PDF documents. It's activated by rotating two fingers on the screen as if you were turning an actual dial. So I'm going to do this, for example, to reduce the speak, uh, speaking rate. Headings, containers, speaking rate. Now, it's a flick down to reduce the speaking rate. 46%. A flick up. 51%. To increase it. OK, that's just a very, very quick overview of the rotor because we're going to be using this shortly to paste the text that we copy to our clipboard. OK, so what we're going to do in this instance, the first thing we're going to do is open up the notes app. Notes. OK. OK, from here, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the information that I have. Find out more about. Saved. Note. Find out more about NCBII's online initiative. OK, so what I want to do is I want to copy this text, which reads NCBII's online initiative. OK. So this is an issue that NCBI recently launched, encouraging individuals and, and companies to donate their old laptops to service users. I'd like to find a bit more information about this. So what I'm going to do is with three fingers, I'm going to quadruple tap the screen. One, two, three, four. NCBI's online initiative copied to clipboard. OK, so it's copied to clipboard. Now what I want to do is go back to the home screen. Notes. I'm going to open up my Dark. Chrome browser. Chrome. OK, now images, search, search, landmark, oh. sur search, okay. search, landmark, search, search, paste, menu, hide keyboard, hide keyboard, search, okay. search, search. Now in this landmark. instance, combo box collapsed. What I want to do is paste the text that I've just copied. Now this is where the rotor comes in. I'm going to use this rotor. Language, form control, links, headings. Containers, speaking rate, lines, words, characters, okay. search, search, land, search, 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 edit, 
There we go. Okay, now I have to place focus in that edit box until I heard edit. Select all, paste. I flick down to paste and I double tap. NCBII's online initiative, Google search, but search tools, NCBII's online initiative, Google search, NCBI's eyes online, NCBI's eyes online initiative, heading level three, link, possibly refresh. Okay, so all I did there was copy the text from the notes app, uh, paste it into the edit box in Google, uh, opening up Chrome, and then I carry the Google search. Okay, so the page is now opening up on the screen. Uh, it's taking me directly straight to, to the NCBI website where I can NCBI's access information Eyes Online initiative. on Active. NCBI's uh, Eyes Online initiative. Close okay. tab. Policy and advocate online. New NC text fee. NCBI's Eyes Online initiative. Tuesday, National Council for the Blind of Ireland, NCBI, is delighted to launch its Eyes Online initiative. This program calls for donations of old or disused laptops that can be repurposed to ensure all children and adults who are blind or visually impaired has access to technology they need to help them live more independently and stay connected with family and friends. Okay, so that's copying and pasting text. Okay, so um, very useful way to copy text from, for example, it could be a notes app into, into a browser. Um, okay, so I'm going to press go back to the home screen now. Um, before I go, I just want to say you can, if you want, practice your gestures with gestures help. So you can practice voiceover gestures by with four fingers double tapping the screen. Starting help. To okay. start help, perform a four finger double tap or two finger scrub. So or press escape. Say, for example, button. you wanted to know, OK, you have an idea of some of the gestures that we went through today, but you want to practice some. I can swipe right. One finger swipe right. Move to next item. It tells me what that gesture does. It moves to the next item. If I swipe left. One finger swipe left. Move to previous item. Swiping left. OK. Um, you can do this with all the different gestures that we, we tried out today. If you want to close gesture help, it's a four finger double tap. Four finger double tap. Start help. Stopping help. OK, so guys, that pretty much wraps up my top 10 tips for using voiceover on an iPad or iPhone. If there is any voiceover gestures or features that you'd like uh, mentioned that you're aware of that I didn't mention, please just do get in touch with it uh, so we can share it. Um, also, if you'd like to know any more, any more about the gestures that we covered today, don't hesitate to get in touch. And uh, thank you very much for watching. Well, thanks very much, JP. That was a, an excellent uh, overview of some really good top tips. I'm sure any of our uh, voiceover users who are listening in today found that really informative as well. So thanks again for putting together those really useful top tips. Now, uh, we're going to move into our big debate now, our, our uh, discussion between Android and iOS. And uh, just a, a reminder before we uh, go into this, if you want to ask the panel a question or you want to put a comment to the to the panel at all, please do go ahead and use the email address labs at ncbi.ie, labs at ncbi.ie to be able to uh, put a question to the to the panel and we'll be able to get to uh, get to that afterwards as well. So let's uh, invite our panel to 
make sure your mics are turned on, please, and uh, we'll we'll look forward to this discussion we have. We'll introduce the panel again. We have uh, Kyron and we have Brian, who are going to be uh, taking the the side, I suppose, the point of view of uh, an Apple, an iOS user, and uh, we also are going to have Sean and Daniel, who'll be taking the the uh, side of the the Android user, if you like, to put it across that perspective. Maybe can we start with Kyron and Brian? And uh, could we ask you, what is the attraction of Apple devices? What makes them a better choice for accessibility than Android? Well, if I could answer that to begin with, I suppose traditionally the fact that accessibility was designed into the device. So therefore, I mean, instead of having any add-ons or plugins, or anything like that. Well, when the iPhones came out originally, I mean, I'm starting with the iPhone 4 and voiceover was built into it. So for the first time ever, really, we had a screen reader built in to a technology device specifically for people with all disabilities, but more particularly for, for blind or vision impaired people. And it was in your pocket, it was portable. I mean, you had this thing with you all the time. Traditionally, I went up to that, you'd have had your, your laptop with JAWS or and Kurzweil or whatever but you're pretty much bolted down with those devices. Whereas, you know, you had the accessibility built in, it was portable, you could have it everywhere with you. You could have it on the bus going to work or going to school, you could read your newspapers. So it had all of those advantages. And plus it was a bolt on for us, but it was in a mainstream device, mm. which meant that we, we had something that everyone was using, which again, kind of opened up so many doors for us. So that was the initial attraction for me anyway, personally, to, mm. to the iPhone, to iOS, and to, to VoiceOver. Very good. And and Karen, how about yourself? Yeah, I think I can I can generally uh, resonate what what Brian was saying. For for me, um, I mean when I, I got my first uh, iPhone, I, I I didn't I didn't even expect it to be accessible. I got it because I was kind of a a bit of a geek and I wanted the latest um, latest toy that was out there. So I think my first I think my first iPhone was an iPhone 3GS, I think. Um, and I remember, you know, seeing how how clearly it was to find accessibility settings, you know, and then, you know, enabling things and thinking, hmm, that's kind of helpful. Um, that's kind of cool. And it was it was like what Brian was saying, it was, it was a mainstream device that had, you know, accessibility just built in and it was just kind of easy to use. So. Whereas my journey to it wasn't because it was an accessible. So I think, I think that was the first time I ever kind of realized that, you know, just a device that was made for everyone actually was just inclusive. You know, it wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't a dedicated, you know, uh, visual aid, you know, yeah, um, it was, it was just a, a cool thing, you know, that, that, mm -hmm. that you could use. Um, I could be really geeky and, and, and remember what, how it was announced. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what what was he said? It's a it's a, a, a the best iPod. It's the an internet communicator and something else. I, I can't. Oh, and a phone. Yeah. So um. Yeah, that doesn't give uh, away uh, any kind of geekiness at all, Garen. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, but uh, really, for me, yeah, it was just it was just about the fact that you know I I had this that this this device that was in my pocket. It was with me all the time, mm. and you know it was the same as as everyone else sitting on the bus, except you know. For me, I could you know I could make the font size much bigger and much easier to read, and you know little things like that that were they seem small to people who are 
you know, who are fully sighted. I don't know if you'd agree with that, Brian, but like for 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 me, the the day I could increase the font size, it was an absolute game changer. Or the day I could listen, I could you know swipe with two fingers down and it would read the screen back to me. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen, you know. So um, yeah, that's that was that was my introduction. Very good, yeah, excellent. And then you had all of the apps as well. I mean, that all of the apps that were being developed, like. I mean, mm. for example, if you were to tell me 15, 20 years ago that I was going to be going to work reading the newspaper, then I'd have thought that maybe there is a, mar- there is a miracle in the world, because I would never have imagined <laughs> that I would be doing that. Whereas, you know, <laughs> so many possibilities for me, you know, which was, which was brilliant, you know. And even just exactly- thinking the potential for independent living, I mean, mm. independent living, the fact that people were reading their own letters and mail and things like that. The quality of life, the fact that people could, you know, access, you know, things like YouTube, you know, the different entertainment apps in their home. So, you know, it just it opened up a new world. It, I suppose in a, a kind of a way, I suppose I looked on it as as liberation technology. I know that I've heard that I've heard it being called that before, and I actually could relate to the person that did call it liberation technology. Yeah, I hadn't heard that before. That's good though. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that term. And just hearing you you both talking about it, you can really sort of sense that it made a, a big difference to your lives as well. So that's a this is going to be a kind of thrown the end of gauntlet now to the Android guys because you've heard the the comments of Kyron and Brian there. But if we were to come over now to to Daniel and to Sean to put the Android side of it, what what's the appeal of Android devices? Well, well, to me initially, uh, the appeal was probably the price in comparison to. Apple, that mm. I could pick up a phone a lot cheaper. From that point of view, but a bit, a good like, answer, I, Sean. <laughs> I'm very, very frugal here. Uh, but, um, it's very like, revealing. I, like Kyron, the, the sort of geeky end of the phone sort of attracted me in terms of um, Android's a bit more open source, and it was it would allow me to configure the device in different ways and. Much like I could with Windows, I could add programs that I wanted to configure the the operating system the way I wanted it, and that has its own caveat of you know um, you can add too many things or do the wrong combination of things, which might break something, and then you have to go and learn how to fix it. And I think that's what sort of sent me down the path of training and uh, support. That I, I like things that I can get and configure and mess around with, and I know you can do that in iOS to a certain degree, but with Android, it was giving me a lot of scope that I could add programs to it and configure it in a certain way or even uh, route the phone completely and add a new operating system or something different and mm. you know enjoy the fact so uh, uh, personally that's what attracted me to Android over over Apple. Yeah I can understand that as well. If I could just if I could just take up Sean's point there around how cost effective the Android is and I know that people are going to be a bit aghast at what I'm going to say next but I actually think that a good iPhone for a blind person in the long run actually saves you money. So for example, I mean, if you're, if you're a sighted person, you have a subscription to a newspaper, for example, or you buy a newspaper every day, it costs you two euros a day. Whereas now as a blind person, for example, I would read the Irish Examiner every day. It's free, it's online. There's a text only version over there, which means that it's totally accessible. So that actually saves me a lot of money down the road and that I'm getting a free newspaper every day. Again, things like, Audible books, for example, or you can get very, very cheap and cost-effective audio audible books as a blind person on your iPhone. Now I know that to an extent you can get them on the Android as well, but they just seem to be more accessible and more attainable on the iPhone. So if you look at if you look at those costs, 
Don't we just say over a year? And I think a good iPhone that's well managed and well used can actually save you money. I think interestingly, just to just to, to I'm gonna, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna play devil devil's advocate a little bit here, right? So, um, because one of one I do agree with Brian, like you know I I've always used the argument for for buying uh, an expensive iPhone is that I literally use my iPhone more than any other device to equipment in my life. All time, use it literally to to see a bus number. I use it for. Um, you're just breaking up slightly there, Karen. Ah, uh, that's the iPhone gone berserk. You must use an Android. There's a dig Are you still with um, us, Karen? Yeah. Is he back? Okay. Um. Okay. Hopefully you can all you can all hear me there. Sorry, guys. It was a. Uh, did you um? Did I cut out? I think I might have cut out on you guys. You cut, out. cut out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Do you want me to go ahead, or do you want to jump yeah, on, Daniel? Go, go ahead. Yeah, you're. you're just uh, so, what the, yeah, I think there's there's uh, my internet dropped completely for some reason. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably running Android. Um, but I mean, <laughs> the reality, yeah, yeah, just I was thinking, there's there's two, yeah, yeah. Um, there's there's two sides of me for me with uh, I find with iOS devices and and I iPhones. What I was saying is that I use my iPhone more than anything else. So for me to 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 invest a little bit of money in it is great, but they are expensive devices. But I find for people with low vision, because I need the excess, I don't have the latest one. I have about a two-year-old one, but that was the most expensive. You know what I mean? So mm. I remember back at the time, now I was lucky enough that I had a company that that bought it for me that I was working in. But um, uh. You know that that was a very very expensive device. Whereas I think what's what's going to be huge for for people with with no sight, Brian. I don't know if you saw the new the the iPhone. Is it the SE that was just announced? That was like four hundred ninety nine euro. But most um, you'll get that free with most contracts now. So I think that's that's going to be. It's got a home button. Yes, and it's got a tactile home button as well. So Sean's even arguing for iOS at this point. I think we better bring Daniel in here because uh, I know Daniel, you had one or two things that you found particularly useful with the Android side of it. We better make the case for Android here. Yes, um, definitely the um, the Android accessibility suite. That um, okay, it's a bolt on. It's but it's free and it's simple to download. And um, that gives, you know, for somebody with low vision, it gives them access to the um, the select to speak function, which is very, very powerful. Um, one thing I really like about it is it'll work offline. So if you're out and about and there's, you know, there's no 4G data available to you and you're walking down the street and there's a poster up in the shop window, you just take a snapshot of that with your camera and then just activate the select to speak and that will read that poster back out to you. It picks the text off the poster directly from a photograph. So that is an incredibly powerful feature that's available on, on the Android. And also, um, I prefer, I suppose, overall the, um, the Hey Google as, as over Siri. I find that Google tends to uh, hear your voice and and pick it up a little better. Um, maybe for a thick country accent like me, that's a that's a good thing that Google have figured out. 
um, you know, just for doing doing text messages and things like that, using the Google Assistant that's built into your phone, it's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, incredibly accurate. I've often gone with Siri because I have both phones. I'm trying both out the whole time. Um, I found that Siri, yeah, it's it's a little bit dodgy at times, especially when you're trying to command uh, text messages from your voice. So yeah. yeah, definitely two features there that Android certainly are ahead at the moment. The voice maybe, of objectivity. Maybe, maybe, maybe in the coming weeks we'll have a, a Siri versus OK Google segment and see who wins. Yeah. One of the good things with Siri now is that you can actually tweak some of the accessible apps with Siri. So you can get it to directly carry some of the functionality. So for example, you can tweak Siri you know, with TAI, for example. So you yeah. can actually give an audible, a verbal instruction to Siri to carry out a CEI function directly. Oh, really? So That's correct. Yeah, I've tried that and it works well, Brian. Yeah, yeah and Brian. It works extremely well, you know. One and the Google will do that as well, and it'll leave it if you ask your Google Assistant to open up YouTube and play your favorite song, it'll do it. Siri won't. And that's because Google is uh, our YouTube is a Google company, so you know. Yes. I suppose it's still it a saves you loads of money in iTunes. It's still a well-used app. It's it's interesting just hearing some of the compatibility things there as well, because a lot of people will want to to know about that as well. Just speaking about apps, actually, are there any particular apps that you you find work better with either Apple or Android, or anybody got any particular favourites? Well, as as uh, JP pointed out in his presentation there a while ago, which again I think is very good, is the way you can label buttons on apps. So, for example, there's a great radio station down here on OC103 and the play button isn't labelled. But once you can get sales assistance to do it once, you can just label that uh, that button for play. And then that makes that, that renders the whole app totally accessible. So it's just the flexibility or the durability that you can have with voiceover, with kind of not brilliantly accessible apps, which you can actually make them accessible. So that's the feature I really like about with with them um, with voiceover and the various apps. I think I think from my perspective, I was just trying to. I was trying to think about, you know, the, the, the apps that I use most, but it's like. The inbuilt feature of of, of I think it's called dynamic font uh, on, on iOS or in, in in from development perspective, but the fact that that's built out of the box into most apps that that use um, that use, you know, that 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 native um, it's called native Swift code. Um, you know, so what I found is, and this is one of the things, um, you know, I did. I have used an Android device in, in the past, um, but for, for me, really, to be able to open up anything, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's Deliveroo at the moment, and unfortunately, I'm using Deliveroo more than I actually should be, because I'm not doing <laughs> any exercise. But, um, you know, their, their font is scaling um, to, I think I set mine at size 12 out of 16. You know what I mean? So it makes it really easy for me to use, you know. Um, I actually had an interesting thought as well. I think, I think we should, you know, we could also look at, you know, talking about the apps that are done really well, but there's quite a lot of apps that are done really badly, you know. Just yeah. Eat is an incredibly bad app for people with low vision, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I find, you know, when you look at, when you look at iOS in particular, um, a lot of the apps, because they've been built in a development term, it's called natively, you build it, you use native code, uh, native Apple code, which is um, which is Swift. Um, 
a lot of the accessibility features are just built in from the ground up, you know. So as a, you know, developer building them, I don't think you need you really need to spend too much time other than you know checking the visual elements and the labels and things like that as you would normally. Yeah, that's me. Say actually, Karen, you have a bit of experience with that, don't you? App app building and things like that. Is that is that different to Android? Yeah. So I mean, there's there's kind of there's two uh, in in a couple of my previous roles. There's um, we built um, uh, apps and websites and, and things like that. So I would have managed a team of developers. And one of the things that I always notice is, you know, engineers and developers are they they will spend the time on making you know apps and websites accessible if they're given the time and if they're mm. taught how to do it. You know, there's a huge appetite for people out there to make um, apps accessible and make websites accessible. But a lot of times people don't really know how to do it. So when I was leading a team of developers, a big part of what I used to do was make sure that we looked at accessibility first. You know, it was the first thing we looked at, you know, when you're choosing the technology. So, for example, we um, we built um, a couple of apps with probably three apps from the ground up and we had to build them both on iOS and both on, on, on Android. And most people will, will, will use the development style, which is called. Um, oh, now I'm just saying it. It just goes away from my head. Um, uh, it's a hybrid application right. and re really what that is 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 an app that's wrapped it's like a web page that has an app wrapped around it and it breaks so many of the built-in accessibility features whereas if you build an app on android or ios what they call it natively so whether it's on ios using swift or whether it's on android using whatever the the java framework is you pick yeah. I, I just, there's one called caitlin that we use quite quite a lot um it, it will just out of the box support 99% of the accessibility features that I use and Brian use day to day. But I do find that I would probably say Android accessibility development is a little bit more challenging. I don't know if it's changed in the, in the year that, that I um, haven't built Android apps directly, but it's something that I think Android has a ways to come up. And it's like Brian used the term, or was it Daniel, sorry, that said, um, um, uh, accessibility is bolt on, bolted on an Android. I'm not sure if that's still the case anymore. I mean, I mean, uh, if you don't mind, Jude, me throwing a question out to the team. Yeah, yeah. But to Sean and to Sean and, and Daniel, like you, who are you know, you, you guys are both running the latest version of Android. Is it is it still bolt on? Depends on, on the um, depends on the manufacturer. Some you could buy a phone, and it could be Huawei, it could be HTC, it could be OnePlus, it could be it could be any of the manufacturers, and it will have the accessibility suite built in, you don't need to download anything uh, and then other manufacturers will have that stripped away and then therefore you have to go to your Play Store, like Daniel says, bolt it on by downloading it and adding that feature into the phone. And then how that feature works with the phone is entirely, entirely dependent on how well the orig original manufacturer intended it to be. Um, yeah, that's right, Sean. What happens you see is with all the different brands of phones out there, um, the operating system is slightly customized differently from phone to phone. Um, like Samsung will do it a certain way. Um, you know, HTC will do it a different way. Even even if you go, if you're an Android user and you go from manufacturer to manufacturer, Sony one, you know, let's say after a Sony phone, you get a Samsung phone, you say, oh, the, the menus similar but they're, they're they are different in the layout and things like that and that certainly feeds across through the the wider operating system of android so google do allow these manufacturers to do that and uh, whereas apple obviously they're the hardware and the manufacturer and the software manufacturer so they're just consistent across all their different models because in the, in the grand scheme of things i think apple have probably had about 25 phones released over their time period 
-hmm. that's 25 to 30 phones that they know how it's going to interact with their operating system with iOS. While you, in a given year, you could have 5,000 different types of Android phones released and how well the manufacturer has implemented that operating system to work with their hardware mm. kind of is the key of, of the results you're going to get while using any feature in an Android phone. Uh, yeah. I, do, do you mind if I just ask a question? Because I, I, I have an Android phone here that I haven't turned on in years because, you know, I don't want to move to the dark side. But um, <laughs> could you could you explain to me like how, how I would go about enabling those accessibility features? Um, like, is it do I have to download an app from the? Well, so it's, it's not really an app, but like you, you'd go to your you go to your uh, settings and you'd look for accessibility features first and you'd see what was what's there. Now to have put all the features into something called accessibility suite. So it is mm -hmm. always good practice to go to the Play Store to make sure that your accessibility suite is updated. Mm -hmm. So you have all the latest features. Now your phone still not might not support certain um, aspects or certain features, but mm -hmm. it will at least have Talkback, which is the main one that uh, we're going to we're going to use with people with visual impairments. And Talkback and Android, you know, while it is still behind how well Voiceover works, it's definitely getting Sorry, there. Sorry, didn't I hear that, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> that right? I, I I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> it's already been recorded. But voiceover does work very well, but I think what how Android can improve it is I don't think enough people are giving feedback initially of how well it worked or how well it didn't work in certain areas. And um, so the more people that use Talkback and give feedback to it, it will definitely improve. And it has very much improved over the last four years. It has, Sean. Um, and just to add there as well, right, I have a Samsung S7 and if you go in there, right, the talkback is one option, but there's also another one that uh, Samsung have created called Voice Assistant and like that, that is quite similar as well. So yeah, I just don't like, I just don't like that the fact they called it a voice assistant that yeah. muddies the waters of a screen reader and a voice assistant and it confuses people, but it definitely is a good feature though. Yeah, yeah, it it is. Um, so, uh, like, I suppose if you if you go back to when, um, you know, if you go back to to when uh, Talkback originally came out, like there was uh, Talkback, which was uh, by Google's Eyes Free project. You had Spiel, and you had Mobile Accessibility, and these were trying to kind of three things that all did the same the same thing. And um, like the Google one, obviously, because they own Android ha is is the mainstay that's that's developed, you know, but there are there are other independent screen readers available on Android. So if I can just inter interject for a moment, because we'll we'll uh, we'll have a few more minutes to discuss uh, some of the final factors on this before we try and come to some sort of conclusion with it. But if I can just mention that if you do have a question or a comment as we're going through this, if you want to email labs at ncbi.ie you can put that uh, question to the panel now guys just from what you're saying there it sounds a little bit like that for some things you've got android just happens to be better for example with the likes of youtube because they they have the the connection there with youtube the ownership of it and all that sort of stuff and a little bit the same with um some of the shortfalls some of the things with apple it's like they're they're just I suppose they're better at app development because there's only a few iPhones out there and there's a load of Android things. But for the everyday user, some of those kind of reasons behind why it's useful or why it's not isn't necessarily the be all and end all. 
they're kind of more interested in the final thing of when they get it into their hand, will it work or won't it work with a particular app? Um, what What is your own experience from what people say to you? What is the general consensus? I, I, I think I think now the learning curve is the same for both, especially for p newer people. Like if you if you're put in front to talk back or voiceover for the first time, the learning curve is steep for both of them. But it's whatever you become familiar with first is normally what you sort of champion. Mm. And I have met a lot of younger people now who are using uh, Android phones and they they love it. And when they switch to voiceover, they were more comfortable using talkback. And then equally on the other argument to that, I've I've talked to people who've always use voiceover and when I switch over to Android, they just can't get the hang of it. And it's not it's normally what you become familiar with first is sort of favoured. Yeah, it's we, probably it's probably harder for someone to switch from one to the other. Um in no I'm not saying absolutely nobody will be able to switch from one to the other, but uh, for a lot of people if they're used to voiceover they kind of tend to plow on with that. And likewise for talk back users they'll just plow on with that. Hmm. What I always one, one thing on people Sorry, go on, Kyron. No, no, Brian, you go, go ahead. Go ahead. What I always impress on people when I'm starting off with, and I have done some training on with the Android, and I will have to say that there are very positive features to Android as well as as well as the iPhone or VoiceOver. I just happen to prefer VoiceOver, and I've had a better success rate with people training them in VoiceOver. What I always impress upon the people when I'm starting off is that you're going to really get frustrated with this. You're really, really good. This, this is going to test you. This is going to test the measure of your patience. But what I always say to people as well is if you stick with this as a blind or vision impaired person, it will become your best friend. And I like I don't know where I got this research from now again, but I, I remember reading about 10 or 11 years ago, someone saying that you would need to sit with one of these devices, with an iOS device, and work with it for at least six weeks on a daily basis before you will really become really, really comfortable with it and really using it to its best, to its greatest potential. But there is that, there is that learning curve. And once you overcome that learning curve, what you will get out of it from an independent living perspective, from a quality of life viewpoint, is major. So it is definitely worth the personal investment in it, you know? Mm. I, I I think I, I'd echo a lot of what, what, what Brian has said there, um, particularly around, I remember one of the things that I, that I you know, when I was speaking to some service users when I first joined um, NCBI recently is that, um, Initially, people are, are really frustrated with, with, with voiceover or talkback. And, and I think a lot of it is because it, it, it is a it's a very different way of approaching using a device, you know. Um, but I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Brian said, is that the, the benefits far outweigh the frustration after the, you know, the initial um, learning curve. And it is a steep learning curve. And I think, I think I'd say that to, to, to any person who's either just gone through sight loss or Got, their site has gotten to a point where they need to um, they need to use you know voiceover as opposed to low vision uh, support. So yeah, Brian, I think that's a that's a wonderful point. I, I can only echo that and and, and wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, very good. And that, I think that is a fair point to make, isn't it? That it's like if you if you invest in if you invest whether it's money or time into something, um, particularly for these sort of things, they can be quite life changing. Um, pieces of technology. Um, just a, a final kind of thought here. Um, would you say, is there a middle ground here? Is there something that maybe the, the guys who prefer uh, iOS devices, Apple devices would say, okay, looking at it objectively, Apple is better for this, 
Android is better for that. And the same to, to Daniel and Sean as well. Would you, would you say, is there something where you can kind of find the middle ground, ground and have a, a form well, of agreement of what what one does better than the other? Well, what I, what I find from a training point of view is um, on iOS, I know what features it says is going to be exactly where it's, it says it is. So mm. some, somebody rings me for support over the phone. I can say in this menu, this thing is there and it, mm. it is there. While on Android, because there's so many different ones, um, the menus can be slightly different things from slightly yeah. different places that the consistency of iPhone, because they're so closed in terms of how it's built and how it's released, uh, it's very easy for me to train people on it compared to Android. But I think Android allows you to do more, but it, it, it can be harder. Mm. And things might not be exactly where you say they are. You could say, oh, it's definitely in this menu. You go down here and you activate this. But the layout on one manufacturer, they could just have rearranged the operating system. So it's a bit more of a challenge to train people on an Android device. Um, mm. But I think it's overall mm. worth it at the end, like because it allows you more control. Yeah. That's fine. In my subjective opinion, I think that voiceover is a far better system than TalkBack. But I would have to acknowledge as well that some of the Android kind of magnification settings or contrast settings, they are as good and, and in some ways can be a little bit better than perhaps Zoom, for example, on, on, on iOS. That would be my concession to, to Android. But mm -hmm. unfortunately, it'll be very bad when it comes to voiceover. Voiceover is a better system, I think, than TalkBack. We have we have to get you a good Android phone, Brian, to get this to try it. <laughs> well, if you can get one show, you might have to keep it for yourself. <laughs> on the cost around the same as an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Well, and then final funny. comments, Karen. I was just going to jump in there and say um, it's funny. Like, there's a friend of mine who's a you know he's a devout um, Android user. Now he's fully he's fully excited. But anytime I I've had to use an Android phone for work when I was developing, and I you know you'd have an appointment and you'd give out and say oh, I yeah, and hate this bleeding phone and it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that. He's going yeah, but you're using a 200 euro uh, Android phone and you have a 1500 euro. <laughs> Yeah, iPhone yeah. in your pocket, like you can't really, you can't really compare them, you know. I always um, felt the same way when people were arguing that their MacBook was better than someone's uh, laptop because the yeah. 250 euro laptop compared to a, yeah. a two grand I, there's MacBook. A, there's a there's a couple of anecdotes actually, Jude. I, I wouldn't mind yeah, jumping in please, with. Yeah. Um, uh, the first one was. Um, I know I said it, I've forgotten them. <laughs> uh, so the first one was, of, oh yeah, I heard an interesting um, from an ex-colleague of ours was was who was who's fully blind and he, he told me a story and I thought this, it, you know, this was just one of the most empowering stories I'd heard. So he was, um, he was at a family engagement, like I think a dinner or something like that, and uh, a family member had an iPhone and, and they were fully sighted and they, they couldn't fix something on the iPhone, there was something wrong. So he took the iPhone off them, used Siri to engage voiceover, fixed their issue, turned voiceover off and handed them their phone back. And I was like, that is just brilliant. Yeah. You know, that that's how powerful the accessibility features have gotten on, on on iPhones or on iOS devices. And I think, you know, I think to be fair, that's probably true of Android as well. You know, I, I think yeah. that's that that would be as well. The second thing I think which is really interesting is that I I think when it comes to, you know, I know this is particularly related to iOS. Um, but if you if you look at Apple's desktop and laptop line, like so the Mac line of computers. So at the moment, you know, 
you can pick up uh, an i, um, well, a MacBook Air, which is a laptop, or a or a, or a Mac Mini, which is a desktop. Both of those kind of hover around the thousand euro mark, um, which is a huge amount of money. And I'm not I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that's not, and it's, it is a lot of money. And there is PCs out there that will be equally as expensive. But one of the things that I've always noticed is that you know when people say Macs are so expensive, you don't need to buy additional software after that. No. You know, um, so you don't need to buy JAWS, you know, or you don't need to buy your favorite screen reader. For, with a Mac computer, the initial investment is, um, you know, is there. So and I know people apply for grants and stuff like that, and that, that's fine. But it is something to consider as well. You know, it's it's one of those things is that if you're buying something for work or something for, you know, to, to use in more of a productivity setting where you need an actual laptop, I think the fact that you get most of the features you want included and out of the box with a Mac is is something something to bear in mind. It is um, a considerable advantage, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, don't just, go ahead, Brent. If I could just echo Karen's Karen's uh, scenario, Karen's scenario there, and I mean, I have often been in a social situation where someone will be having problems with an iPhone. And I would take over the iPhone and I would activate voiceover, fix the problem. But then mm -hmm. I'd also turn on the screen curtain and the back of the phone. And unless they bought me a point, I wouldn't fix it for them. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know my story when going into airports and, and turning on voiceover on the phones and the shops and walking out? Oh, yeah, that's another one, yeah. <laughs> well, I love like that. Sean, Sean usually sends in, in images of him. <laughs> In airports or you know Dixons with turning on voiceover and all, <laughs> and all the devices. But the screen card really throws people. That's the one that really throws people. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I feel I feel like I need to do a disclaimer here. This doesn't represent what all technology trainers would do. When you I'm, I'm just right. creating awareness, Jude, of what is available on these devices. <laughs> There's going to be hundreds Excellent. of people all across the country with blacked out phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and thinking, they'll have to, um, you know, once the reopen, to... you'll have to buy a lot of points for uh, NCBI staff and NCBI service staff, users. Yeah, yeah, and service users, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Very good. Um, I'm just thinking, just before we go to some questions, um, could we get a last word from Daniel? We haven't heard from, from Daniel just for yeah. a, a kind of final word. Um, look, I suppose, yeah, the the Android v iOS debate, like, definitely to echo what the guys have said, there is features in some that, uh, you know, in iOS that are better than Android, and there's a few features in Android that are better than iOS. And I, I suppose now, and don't take this as concrete, but um, I'd find that, you know, maybe for uh, people who have no vision, uh, you know, to take an Apple device and, and vice over is probably the best experience. And if you're, you know, for those with low vision, if your vision is is not too low, an Android device is quite good, and you know you'll you'll get a you get a fierce amount of productivity over too. So, um, you know, just that's it's it's a consideration that can be made. Yeah. It doesn't have to. It doesn't mean that you have to pick one over the other. You know, and there are people out there that go between both as well. So that's yeah, just my experience on it. I think that's a nice kind of finishing point for the debate because you've you've put your your points across very well. Thank you very much uh, to our panelists, Kyron and Brian and uh, Sean and Daniel as well. You put your points across very well as to the pros and cons of the the different devices, and it's kind of nice just to round it up with that idea that it does. It sounds like there are some things while while Apple definitely has an awful lot going for it. Android do have 
some particular benefits there as well that somebody might choose to use that. So it's nice to kind of see the, the balancing point. Maybe we can uh, just bring JP into the discussion for a minute. JP, I think there, there's been a couple of questions, has there? There has, Jude, yeah, there has. So first one's from uh, David Byrne, who's enjoying the discussion today. He's asked whether there's any way he can listen back to these live event videos later. So if you missed them, can he listen back? Very good. So I think this will be up on YouTube afterwards. So this will yeah. be published on YouTube. Karen, yeah. is, is this going into anywhere else that yeah. people get? Is that the main place? Well, the, the first thing is to say, yeah, you're right, uh, uh, Jude, it's going up on, on YouTube. And if you search for uh, NCBI Labs live event, you'll find there's a playlist on the main uh, NCBI YouTube channel that where all of these events are posted and you can listen back to them. We're also hoping within the next week or two, just as another general announcement, Jude, if you don't mind me taking yeah, the floor for a second, we're going to be launching um, an NCBI podcast as well, specifically focused on technology. So an NCBI Labs technology podcast and all of the previous technology podcasts will be pushed up to um, uh, as part of an archive as well. So uh, our Stuart, who, who, who did some wonderful podcasts in the past, we'll, uh, so we'll have over 70 of them pushed up for, for archive and we hope then to release uh, a monthly uh, podcast going forward. So we're trying to figure out how the best way to make that work is, but um, we'll be announcing them on future live events as well. But in the meantime, do, um, do subscribe to the NCBI YouTube channel and hit that notification bell and don't forget to hit like because it really makes a huge difference to the videos. Any more questions, John? Paul? Yeah, sure. Okay, so uh, next one comes in from it sounds like an Android user. He's asked. Uh, <laughs> said that. So, so they've asked, are there any apps your your team Android uh, can recommend that uh, he could use? He or she, sorry, could use to uh, read printed text using a Samsung phone, similar to how Seeing AI Seeing AI works on an iPhone. So we all know Seeing AI works pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, the equivalence for using uh, a reading app or a uh, Android phone. Yeah, well, I, I would, I would, I would use um, KNFB Reader. Mm. Uh, it is an app you have to pay for, but uh, it can scan offline without having to be connected to the internet. So you can take a photograph of a document, uh, and it'll read the text back to you. And there's lots of free ones there available too. I mean, if you search um, OCR, um, optical character recognition on um, on your Play Store, you'll find things like Text Scanner and Text Fairy and things like that. There's, there's a dozen apps there that will work. But I find KNFB Reader, although you do have to pay for it, it works very, very well. Don't forget to select to speak there either. Um, yeah. that, that, that will allow you to, to use your inbuilt device camera to take a photo of it and, and read back the text. So even from newspaper clippings, that will, that will work too. And I think the voice stream reader app, that does work on Android and against the pay that was a lot cheaper. I think something like eight euros. It's a lot cheaper than the KNFBI reader and it's very, very good as well. Yeah, yeah. Great. yeah the voice stream reader is very good and the voices are brilliant on it. Mm. Yeah, they're brilliant on it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. Designed for Apple, so of course it would be. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Brian. <laughs> uh, Are you one. calling from Apple headquarters in Cork, there, Brian? <laughs> well, I just got found about two miles, about two kilometres from it. <laughs> <laughs> you can send a YouTube link of uh, of you selling the products. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. <laughs> 
Okay, I might move on to the next question here. It's my voiceover user. So this person thinking about giving TalkBack a try on a Huawei tablet. Um, so he's wondering, or he or she is wondering if the panel can, has, can provide them with any tips. So going from using voiceover to using TalkBack, will it be a difficult transition? Um, um, it help? It, it would be slightly different, but like swiping from left to right is still the same as uh, moving from one object to the next in terms of like a, it's similar to tabbing on a on a screen reader on the computer. Mm. While on the on voiceover, where you swipe down to, to go through a different element, like you might turn your rotor to headers on on iOS and swipe down to go through headings, or you might turn the rotor to another object and swipe through that there. Mm. Um, when you swipe from left to right on um, an Android phone on TalkBack, default it's going just tabbing from one to the next but if you swipe down that changes that's like going through the rotor and you can select heading or links or whatever the, the case may be and then then when you swipe left or right it will uh, jump to those things so it'll jump from headings or links whichever one you selected and then you'd swipe down again until you got the default and then you'd swipe from left to right to return it to its normal function. So mm -hmm. that's one of the main things. And then you have to do like an L shaped swipe, bring up a context menu for different options. So mm -hmm. while the rotor is all sort of self-contained and all the sort of mm -hmm. features are in that rotor, there's different ways and means in, in, in Android. And once you familiarize with yourself with them, both of them will work quite similarly once you mm -hmm. understand the controls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, OK, great. Uh, so one more question, uh, kind of in relation to the uh, video earlier on using voiceover. It's so in relation to assigning a custom label to unlabeled buttons in iOS apps when voiceover is enabled. So are these custom labels kept when I close and reopen the application? And the answer to that is yes. So provided the, the app isn't uh, redesigned, then yes. Now, I, I know, Brian, you, you mentioned earlier that you, were, you use this feature occasionally. I wonder, do you, would you be able to elaborate a bit more on that? Like, do you use this within like apps that you might find a little bit in, in, inaccessible? Or? Oh yeah, I would. Again, I gave the example of the radio station here, where the play button is labelled. And yeah. um, yeah, but once it's labelled mm. and you can close the app and the actor or the label, the label button will, will will stay there for you. But mm. I think, and this might seem like a frivolous point, but it's important to to yeah, to state that. I mean, like that's just on your device. So, for example, if you have an iPhone and you have an iPad, then you must label the button on the iPad as well. That is, mm. you know, some people think that once it's labeled, it, it goes right across all platforms. It's not; it's just on the the, the device that you labeled. Yeah. But it will hold unless or until the app updates itself, and then you might have to go back in and and reapply the label. Okay. Mm. Great. Okay. Great, so there are the questions that we have in so far. Brilliant. Thank you very much, JP. Uh, appreciate that. And uh, also your excellent uh, video earlier on. We appreciate that as well. And thanks very much to our panelists today. Uh, Brian Manning, Kyron O'Mahony, Sean Doran and Daniel Dunn. That was a, a lively show today. That about wraps it up for today. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Hopefully we'll see you back here next week when we're going to have a look at an app that a lot of people have been using called Be My Eyes. We'll have a chance to see how that works, as well as being able to talk with the founder of Be My Eyes, Hans Weiberg. So we hope you'll join us for that next week. Just a reminder that if you want to access support from the NCBI Labs team, you can call us from 9 to 5, Monday to Friday on 1850 92 30 60. That's 1850 92 30 60, or you can email labs at ncbi.ie.
If you'd like to support our services as well so that you, we can continue to provide services to those who are blind or vision impaired, you can also visit donate.ncbi.ie. So all that's left for me to do is to thank our contributors again, our panelists today, and thanks to those working hard behind the scenes as well to get our show up and running. Sean and Kyron have been involved in the production of the show as well. And we look forward to seeing you all next week again for our next NCBI Labs live event.